Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Welcome to Box 39. I really am Bill Lawrence, and for the next hour, please join me, Adrian Cohen, and that old man Ian Talentire, as we open Box 39 exclusively for Cone Radio. And I am that really old man, Ian Talentire. This is the radio show that pulls out the listening treats from Box 39. Have you had a good week, Ian? Um, well, cleared the drains at work, sent a picture to my line manager. Oh, hope she hadn't had a big lunch. Marvellous. And you, Bill? Oh, fair to middling, fair to middling. You're sounding just like my father. Does he have curry sauce with his chips as well? No. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Cone Radio's community wall of sound. Bill, you've got the key this week. Please open box 39. Right. My AI just changed. It just buzzed the front gate, I... Thank God you came How many more days could I wait? I made plans with you And I won't let them fall through I I think I lie for you I think I die for you Jodeci cry for you Do things when you want me to Like controller Controller like controller, controller, yeah Okay, you like it when I get aggressive Tell you to yeah. go slower, go faster Like controller, controller, yeah Like controller, controller, yeah and I'm never on a wasting shawty I do it how you say you want it Them girls, they just wanna take my money They don't want me to give you nothing They don't want you to have nothing They don't wanna see me find your loving They don't wanna see me Smiling back when they pre-knowing I lie for you Thinking I die for you Jodeci cry for you Do things when you want me to like controller, controller. It's in box 39. 
So there we were, on day eight of our tropical adventure. We'd been all over the city of Jogja and its many sights and attractions, not to mention sampling its culinary delights. We'd also been on long treks by car across the central Java landscape, between two volcanoes and down to the spectacularly idyllic south coast. And so it seemed the right time to explore close up and in a willfully pottering along kind of way, the villages, country lanes and rice fields to the south of the city in the stinging sunshine and sauna type heat. Having done that, we made our way right across the bustling city centre and had a look at the campus of Gajamada University. The rest, as Bill and Ian will now tell you, was an interesting bit of history in the life of Mr. Ian Talentire. Yes, uh, we were doing all those wonderful things, weren't we? And we're exploring Indonesia for Calm Radio and meeting wonderful people everywhere. But uh, we're talking about Panti Rapi, the biggest and best hospital in the large uh, city of Jogjakarta in Indonesia. And why are we talking about Panti Rapi and hospitals? Because, Ian, you were involved in a road traffic accident and your visit to Panti Rapi started in, in A&E there. So... What's A&E like, 8,000 miles from A&E in Colchester General? You're almost asking that question as though you uh, suspect I spend a lot of time in A&E at Colchester, Bill. But anyway, before we talk about my impressions of the place, how was it for you as the observer in this situation? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> calm. I was calm. And it just seemed a lot of calm people around. There was a lot of activity, though, it was a bit like any A&E. Absolute frenetic, really, I guess, within the emergency room. We stepped through uh, to the outpatients area. Uh, you were just hit by noise and heat and, uh, quite remarkably, a Dunkin' Donuts shop right there bang in the middle of A&E. Now, I know you might find an M&S outlet or uh, what's the other one? W.H. Smith's in the more modern district generals here, but, but a donut outlet? Well... Ian, give us your impression. Well, for me, it was a little surreal. Obviously, not planned and not something I expected to be involved in. But I must say, getting onto the, the nursing side of stuff, the care was exemplary. I had an assigned nurse to look after me, and she saw me through the whole process of blood tests, x-rays, ECG being taken, and even escorting the pair of us up to the ward when they'd finished with me. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that nurse. Now, that process of transfer... Well, it was a little bit odd, wasn't it? I mean, you crossed the outpatients area and then you passed through this... Well, can I, I could only really describe as an absolute barrier to stop people passing through. A metal-gated entrance and, and it had guards on either side, didn't it? Yeah, and they looked pretty hefty gentlemen. Yeah, I would not yeah. have wanted to tangle with them. No. Certainly not in the, certainly not in the uh, state I was in with uh, one very <laughs> dodgy shoulder. Um but you two, you and Adrian, were at least issued with security passes. I mean, poor old me, I was on lockdown, so... Uh... Yeah. What, what, so, anyway. well, I, we did come and go at ledger. I mean, they they checked the, they they were checking those passes at five in the morning and five in the afternoon. It was uh, very strict. But anyway, your room, a super deluxe VIP room, you booked yourself into, didn't they? Uh, well, yeah, that bed electrically powered, wasn't it? There was a colour TV. It actually had next a guest bed, didn't it? Uh, um, just to the side, a wet room, nice big wet room, wasn't it? Um, 
and it came with toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, you know, all that sort of welcome pack that you would get in a hotel. It's sort of like a hotel room, wasn't it? And that, and not only did you get that, of course, you got level one surgery. And don't forget, Ian, we negotiated level one surgery for you. Now, 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 before everybody gets excited about the three tiers of surgery available in Indonesia, you know, uh, a scalpel, knife, a rusty knife, um, what you need to realise is that over there, the level of surgery indicates the accommodation type that you get, not which surgeon is doing the job on you. So level three basically meant you're on a ward, two gave you a shared room, and level one, which I opted for, um, gave me a private room where my friends could photobomb me in the privacy of that room while I slept off my anaesthetic. You know you loved it, really. Four and a half thousand photos going immediately onto Facebook. That's your sort of thing, isn't it? Anyway, I'd like to point out that the photos we took were all in the best possible taste. Uh, it's just not... And, and, and mean you now have some great memories, don't you? <laughs> don't you? In a day, you'd have, otherwise you'd have missed out just snoring away there, so... There you are, listeners. What loving, caring friends, uh, both yeah. Mr... Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen are. Cheers, fellas. Oh, well, you know, it's a pleasure. Now, so, uh, once you're in your room, what did you think then? Well, Wi-Fi connection was a little poor, kept dropping out. Oh, you're uh, so modern. <laughs> but the TV was useful after 9pm, as there were a succession of yep. English-speaking films, so some entertainment for me while you and Adrian went out eating and drinking. Um, and, folks, unlike <laughs> Colchester General, you didn't have to pay to use the telly. That's right. So, but other than that, I managed to turn the beautifully polished, pristine white marble floor red by accidentally pulling the uh, cannula out the back of my hand. And my discussions with my insurance company began, Bill, uh, which was very interesting. In fact, I could talk about that all night and have had another exciting episode just this morning. But you know what? Let's get on with the show. <laughs> well, yes, I can say that has, has been epic, that whole thing. But um, now... What, what, now I sense you feel much better for uh, having uh, had a few rows with your insurance company. Oh, I felt much better after today's. And poor old Sam at the other end of the phone got both barrels. <laughs> poor old Sam. Anyway, I'd like to say to uh, our listeners that Ian was really well taken care of whilst an inmate. Is that the right word? An inmate I suspect it might be in this case because I had no freedom pass. <laughs> anyway, nursing staff were attentant, uh, attentive, weren't they? Charming, uh, pretty. Uh, and, and had my company on the first... And you had my company, didn't you? On the first night of the stay, I managed to stay there with you on the little uh, bed within the room. Well, there was a free bed, and on the basis that that bed was half the cost of the room at 15 quid, it was quite an expensive bed for our general holiday uh, status. But cheap, really, because you managed to get Jesus everywhere, didn't you? Everywhere you went. He was on the walls, he was uh, on, on, in, in the public areas, in the little gardens, and the benefits as well of a, of a, a service with hymns at every change of shift of the nursing staff but of course it was a, a roman catholic hospital now don't miss out the uh, your little um sort of venture into the nurse's oh, list oh yes well i'd can unfortunately my indonesian being a bit sloppy i did get in the nurse's lift and i got shooed out good and proper as i should have been uh and uh, leaving the hospital uh, uh we uh, was at the point of you being wheeled down for surgery wasn't it uh, yeah. and we said goodbye to you and uh, you both got told off Yes, but more of that later. Well, uh, we, we, uh, and while you're gone, just to just to let you know what we did. Of course, we went to a wonderful Padang, uh, a little uh, something to eat. Uh, we went for a drink with Tim. Uh, I got kissed by a big hairy Frenchman. I tried out several local bars, um, um, but the, the hospital really was one of the most interesting, uh, lively, um, fascinating places I visited on my on my entire visit to Indonesia. It was modern. It was clean. Twenty four hour porterage reception. 
even a new car park being built beside and a, a lovely stall selling a hot cup of tea and a bowl of hot rice breakfast over the road uh, at five in the morning. In fact, I stayed it. Uh, I liked it so much. I stayed over on the night before. You went under uh, the knife. <laughs> It was 1995. I was moving around, sleeping in friends' spare rooms and on their sofas, teaching a bit of guitar and reading a lot of poetry. Dwelling, I will admit, on the old adage that friendship can end in love, but love in friendship never. I had a friend, Julia. She lived in a mobile home. We used to survive on tangerines and eating tuna out of cans. I remember how Sunday sunshine used to kill our conversations and I'd look in her eyes and I'd see circles. One day she tore out a page of my magazine and then she went away, as lovers do. That's why this Lloyd Cole song has always resonated with me. Living on juice Eating out of tuna cans Mobile home Here with my dairy queen Tied me in she had to cut me loose Now I'm looking at you Yeah Like lovers do Like lovers do I'm looking at you
a little reminder of our story. Uh, as a result of a road traffic accident, our very own Colm Radio reporter, Ian, was rushed to Panti Rafi uh, Hospital, literally in Indonesian, I think it means orphanage. But actually, it's a private hospital in Yogyakarta, Indonesia, founded in 1929 by five sisters from the Catholic monastery of St. Carolus Borromeus. That's uh, in Maastricht in the Netherlands. Of course, at the time, Indonesia was part of the Dutch East Indies. There's your history lesson. Anyway, you've been put in a room. That's where we got with the story. It's time for your operation. Myself and Com Radio's Adrian were just watching you being wheeled off in a trolley to the operating theatre and... Hang on, hang on, hang on. You've missed out the smooth-talking Arlie Davidson riding orthopaedic surgeon. He was great. Very cool with his open-neck white shirt, Harley D belt, holding his jeans up, fortunately, and cowboy boots on. Impeccable English with an understanding of irony and sarcasm. Not often found in Indonesia, Mr Lawrence. What more <laughs> could an injured Brit abroad well, require? Uh, a bit of competence. <laughs> well, I was grateful to hear that he'd finished his training in a very well-known um, hospital in New York. So, so he was like George Clooney then, but with a scalpel. So, so what did the nurse say to you as you wheeled into the theatre? Well, that was my biggest laugh of the whole two days. She implied it might be useful for me to say a prayer. But I thought that was because I was in a Roman Catholic hospital, not because of any doubt regarding the surgeon's qualifications. <laughs> well, uh, what was the anaesthetic like? Um, well, let me put it this way. I've never wanted to trust Google Translate at critical points in my life. Uh, the bloke who was about to make me unconscious had very limited English. And you know what my Indonesian's like, which is yeah. less than limited. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit of an Indonesian standoff for quite a few minutes while phrases like no hypertension, no allergies and no heart problems, which is surprising, actually, for a man of my age. It is. Uh, we're run through a couple of smartphones. Yeah. Then he looks slightly oddly at my height and weight written on the surgery Well, form. I can quite honestly say Ian was the tallest person in Indonesia for the whole two weeks we were there, to be honest. And this was confirmed by half of uh, half of your calf and feet. They did hang over the end of the trolley, didn't they? Uh, you were being wheeled around on. And, uh, of course, for a man of your age, quite a remarkable sight. Anyway... Woke up again. The arm works, though I am banned from all sorts of activity, mainly involving rackets, balls and, funnily enough, wheels. Uh, does that include motorbikes? Uh, yeah, it does, actually. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. So, well done. 43 hours later, after a short, sharp snap of one of your bones, you're discharged. With a folder full of x-rays, uh, reports, uh, there was receipts in there. Well, you actually had to go to the pay window before they let you go, didn't they? Uh, fitness to fly letters in, in multiple languages, and you were invoiced 18 and a half million, weren't you? Yeah, just the 18 and a half million rupee. Never before have I been so grateful of one of those uh, MasterCards to um, pay off that mere £950. What a bargain. It was. I mean, it was an interesting interlude in a fascinating two weeks. I now have a very personal and permanent souvenir of the holiday. Not something I'd really ever wanted. <laughs> but I do want to stress that I, you know, joking apart, and I know there's humour in my voice, but I am and will remain extremely grateful to all those who look after me in that short time for all the care, kindness, generosity and humour they showed. Um, they certainly did supply a collection of memories that will stay with me until the end of my days. Ah, and, and supplied you with something that will regularly set off alarms for the rest of your life at airports. <laughs>
And, uh, it was. <laughs> and has done already. <laughs> it was a fascinating insight, I have to say, into, into uh, something, you know, we're so used to on our side of the community, aren't we, here? 21st century A&E healthcare. And, and to see how it works on the other side of the world. So, so many thanks, Ian, for so majestically circling across the road uh, to allow me those amazing insights into what I wouldn't have normally have seen on such a visit. So, you know, you provided that wonderful bonus and, and we thank you so much for making the holiday so much better uh, for that. I can quite confidently say that I have particularly great memories now, uh, particularly of those nurses. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, listening to Out of Box 39 with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and Ian Tauntar here on Colin Radio. I don't know. Confronting ignorance through statistics. Seeking admiration through numbers. Clearly one of the movers and shakers in the world of Bill and Ian. So as uh, Stato is brought in, held high and aloft on the arms of Colne Radio workers quickly um, he's now here in the studio you know, I, I've got to whisper this Adrian's quickly miking him up and uh, with uh, with Ed our work experience statistician as well can you just confirm one point from the contract we agreed with Stato yeah but be quick come on we need to get on with it he's look, coming did we agree to pay completely for those those brand new statistical trousers that Stato's wearing we haven't got much money left in this week's budget after that you know we had to pay that extra large packet of hobnobs and your tax fair from the old people's home isn't cheap you know don't worry bill we've got plenty of half house gang exits fee for this week because their horn section haven't turned up and the uh, the other guy on the banjo he hasn't managed to get that detector thing off his uh, ankle so he's having to comply with his uh, bail conditions tonight oh quickly, quickly thank goodness for that This is Stato, and I'm posing the questions. Who are the two players leaving Colchester United at the end of this season? Sam Walker and Dre Wright. Correct. What do Sam Walker and Dre Wright have in common? They are both leaving Colchester United at the end of this season. Correct. Here's a Sam Walker question. How many goals did Sam Walker score in the 2017-2018 season? None. Zero. I can only accept one answer. None. 
Correct. Here's a Dre Wright question. Which departing Goldtest United player has signed for St Johnston in Scotland? Dre Wright. Correct. Mikhail Mandron got 10 cards of one particular colour this season. Were they yellow cards or red cards? They were yellow cards. Correct. Why was Tom Eastman named Player of the Season? I don't know. I'm sorry, I'll have to press you on this. Why might Tom Eastman have been named Player of the Season? Well, 45 appearances, 3 goals, 2 assists, 4 Player of the Match awards, good disciplinary record, good work ethic, universally liked and respected. I only needed the bit about the good work ethic, but that's correct. Here's a cryptic one. Which player am I referring to with this cryptic clue? A male cat gives a compass direction to a human of the same gender. Tom Eastman. Correct. I'll give you the player's first name and you give me their surname. Sammy. Schmodix. Correct. Which of top scorer Sammy Schmodix's 13 goals was widely seen as... I've started, so I'll finish. How many goals did Sammy Smodic score this season? 13. Correct! A round of applause for Ed... Uh, um, Ed Stato. Thank you very much. Above the law, 
from the odd one out on Mersey Road. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> You're listening to Box 39 here on Cone Radio. This is Hammond's song by the Rushes, who were three Irish-American sisters known for their unusual and rich harmonies and quirky lyrics. They were active from the mid-70s until 2017. The sinewy guitar you could hear was by Robert Fripp of King Crimson fame, who also produced this, the Rushes' first album, in 1979. One reviewer said the Rushes' music was startling, lacerating and amusing. Another said it was a mischievous and highly original folk blend. The busy and sought-after Mr Fripp went from this to recording a solo album and appeared live with Debbie Harry's Blondie, worked with Peter Gabriel and then lent his distinctive scything guitar solos to David Bowie's Scary Monsters.
The Stepping Stones Play and Learn Group was formed in Colchester in 1991 following parents' request to give all children the opportunity to play and learn together. Parents wanted a group where their child was not the only one with additional needs and where staff had knowledge that enabled them to meet individual needs of the children. Stepping Stone's cited aim is to help children understand and accept each other's differences and, through play, to enable their development to achieve their full potential. The children's needs at Stepping Stones are varied and half the children are mainstream. They also have children with physical disability, autism, various syndromes, children who have multi-sensory disability or who are terminally ill. There are also children who are visually impaired, who are hearing impaired and who have delayed speech. Recently, Carol Nice, a long-time worker for Stepping Stones, came into the Box 39 studio here at Cone Radio to talk to me about the work that she does and why Stepping Stones is such an important and valuable group to so many adults and children within our community. My name's Carol Nice and I work at Stepping Stones. We're a group offering um, a continuity of care to children with additional needs and respite to parents. We have a TOTS group, a nursery and then after school clubs. So we cover from age 0 to 19. So what led you to get involved in the first place? I was doing, as part of a course, a Portage teaching certificate and that led me to be working with families who, in their homes who have children with additional needs. And it soon became clear that they were quite isolated. We're talking about 26 years ago and there wasn't really a lot around for children with additional needs in the preschool sector and to actually attend the playgroups, which it was then, they would need one-to-one key work and there was no funding available so the only way to be able to give those children that opportunity to play alongside their peers was to form a charity which we did which with a mixture of parents and interested people and it's then continued as a parent-led group and parents on the committee and so that was the start of Stepping Stones. They wanted a TOTS group where they could meet parents at that diagnosis stage which is sometimes at birth but sometimes when children haven't reached milestones and also an inclusive nursery and and to me that made great sense because there's so many skills children at that age teach each other which adults can't really do don't have those same skills so you had a language enriched environment for children with no language lots of social play skills so the nursery was inclusive and following on from that parents wanted that same support and those children that have quite severe challenging needs. We continued for after school clubs so we have um, from 5 to 19 year olds and on different nights most of them are children on the spectrum. Children that wouldn't have an opportunity to go out socially. Um, It gave siblings at home a chance to actually have an evening with mum or evening with friends and the group just grew. So how have Stepping Stones changed over the years? Um, Well, we've definitely grown. We've grown as parents of identified need. Um, About 10 years ago, the centre where we rented rooms um, changed from community to adult education. Um, So all the community groups were asked to leave. 
we had nowhere to go. We had a big um, adapted play area for children with additional needs as well. So we were uh, we needed a, a large area and there wasn't anywhere. Luckily, our local community and statutory agencies got behind us within the early years. Um, and the result was we had a purpose-built building uh, in the grounds of Wilson Marriage next to our play area, which was fine. The architects um, asked us to input how we needed it. And so along with parents, we were able to have a building. So that was great. And Fisher-Jones Grimwood offered their services, local solicitors, and we got a really good lease that the building is used for children with additional needs and it is parent-led. So it's not something that is led by a statutory agency, it is led by the needs of our parents. How do families that need the services of Stepping Stones first make contact? Sometimes it's word of mouth from other parents. Usually the first port of call that a parent has is through a health professional uh, around diagnosis. So we know that now our paediatric consultants um, refer children to us, our specialist health visitor, the different therapist, OT, physios, speech and language. They're usually the first people that will tell a parent about us. We still have parents that come to us with children aged two or three. That didn't know we were here but we try to get that out there as much as possible. And what area do you serve? Are you just Colchester? Yeah we don't say no to anyone um, so though the main bulk of children come from Colchester we have taken as far as as Halstead, Braintree, Clacton so we've taken a wide a wide area. <clears throat> and does that make the communication with other agencies and other key workers more difficult when you have those sort of distances? No, no, because a lot of the therapists are based in Colchester, so it's it's not a it's not difficult. And and the therapists, the OTs, speech and physios work very closely together, and they'll work with each other really well. So, and when they can come into us, they can see a group of children. So it it's, it really you know helps with their time limitations too. How are you funded? We have the nursery vouchers. Uh, you know, up until the nursery vouchers came in, there wasn't really any funding. And along with the nursery vouchers, you know, for us it was really good because it meant that children, preschool children, were being valued. Um, and our children with additional needs had to have equal opportunity where it had been quite difficult up until then. Um, so it was a really good sort of process. But so we all we have the voucher money. Some some of those children will have extra funding towards their need but it is only towards what um, they what they need they need their key people when you've had got a child with additional needs and you're leaving them for the first time or they have chronic health needs as well they need to feel parents need to feel confident where they're going and they need to be able to form a relationship so that that child needs that key person and that parent needs that key person. So we have a high staff ratio. So the funding that comes through is never enough. We have to raise about 130,000 a year ourselves. Uh, we go to everywhere out there. I have a member of staff and that is just her job to look what's out there, what, what cri whose criteria do we fit? And then we go for it, whatever is there. We've, we've had children in need grants 
we have one or two um, health grants we've had through. Um, we're just waiting because Virgin Care and Bernardo's has taken over um, the house, so we're just waiting now to see what's going to be there for the voluntary sector. We have a local charity, the Catalyst Charity in Colchester, who has given tremendous support over the time to both individually to our families and to us as a group really anywhere my staff are amazing we do lots of fundraising we have lots of really good people in the community fundraising for us so far touchwood we've made it is your local provision enough to fulfill local need no definitely not so where do those children go and what happens to them? It's, it's really difficult. I mean, it's, it's really hard when you're talking to a parent and they desperately need a place in a nursery or in a school and they are told that there isn't a place. So we don't say no, we invite the parent in. We can't exceed our numbers, but we can have the child in with the parent and we have that TOTS group and parents can come any any time. Every parent manages differently you know it's it's a real grieving process that many parents have to go through so for some parents they they want to stay which is fine sometimes it'll take a term two terms before a parent feels ready to move on often the child is ready before the parent but you know until that parent feels confident you know we need to respect that and so it is it's is very different some parents will come and and quite happy to leave but it, there is not enough places for the amount of children that have an additional needs for the amount of parents that need respite there's very very little respite out there um, for preschool and for the older children as well and those children's needs are so um, challenging and so it is it, it, you know there just is never enough I know I can take you there 
It's just a little hand trick A little prestidigitation Better get out your hand now We'll practice the repetition Well, we better do something Before the talents can get lost Sometimes you just got to repeat yourself Just to get your point across yeah. For a lot of people, the name Bruce Hornsby probably conjures up the huge hit he had 32 years ago with The Way It Is, which had a piano riff that got right under the skin of UK residents when it was used by BBC Grandstand for the background music for the highlights of recent football matches. Well, he's made about 20 excellent albums of hard-driving, piano-dominated jazzy rock in the meantime, and still tours hard, playing to big crowds. Cappy for, uh, I've been working it for 10 or 12, you know, 10 or a long time, 10 or 12 weeks now. I love it, it's a great game. I get to drive along roads like this, I get to see all sorts of people, always new people. You see that there, that's a nice little cafe there. Oh, come on, man, across the way. Well, they do love it. I'll go in there sometimes, I'll have a coffee when I start my shift in the mornings because early, I'll have like a nice coffee. I'll say, oh, I want a coffee, I want, I'll have a mocha chocolate locka poka, uh, please. Sometimes I go and now I'll have a double, double eggs, a double shot of a mocha waka chocolate blocker. I am a, a coffee connoisseur, I think. That's what they call the the, the, the camera, the tasteful photograph if you're speeding. It's a speed camera. Uh, when you get me, you get mad fools, mad fools that rush off that bypass and uh, don't slow down at all for no one. They still come off the bypass, they still think they're doing 80 miles an hour. This is residential. You know, you've got to respect residential. Um, oh, I like that petrol station we're going past. That's the M&S petrol. The Wild Bean Cafe is called. What a, what a lovely thing. It's evocative. They're evocative for me of a Wild Bean Cafe, like some sort of a magical, well, a magical place you go, like in uh, Yugoslavia or uh, uh, Belgium, somewhere like that. The Wild Bean Cafe, I like that. Remember that idea? He was very good, wasn't he? He wasn't there. He was a slouch in his job. He, he was he was tasked with finding uh, finding somebody a track drivers like me, and he came up with that magical name. Yeah, oh, look at that man over there. Look, that's a terrible bit of driving. Absolutely dreadful. You know, uh, you should drive as like that. You should be left on the road. You know, if you if you're going to drive like that, you shouldn't be given your test. You should be banned. Banned. Look at that. Throw away the key. He's dangerous, God. I love my dwelling.
Oh, well, that's Kang Exeter here in the studio, or, or, or many of them anyway. And uh, this is, a, just listen to a few moments of their latest track. I love that wall of sound you get from the 16 of them. Anyway, it's time for our listeners' letters, Ian. And I've got one here. Uh, This says, I'll read it. It says, uh, Dear Out of Box 39, I love the English language, but sometimes it makes me cross. Why is it that uh, invalid, meaning not valid, and invalid, meaning disabled, are the same word with different intonation? Whose bright idea was that? And that's from Roger Round. Well, I'll have a minute thought about it and I'll come back to it in a minute. Oh, yes, it's sure. Man, are you all right? That's not bad. That's all that countdown you watch in the afternoons, I think. Anyway, that's from Roger Round from Brightlingsea. Well, Roger, I've got a lot of sympathy with you over this. I have trouble saying the word coincidence, or is it coincidence? Um, and, you know, I believe there are thousands, thousands of new words and phrases that come into existence every year. I think I can help you a bit here, Bill. You do do need to get the emphasis on the correct syllable, (laughs) and that is half the battle. Yes. Anyway, I can think of one. Mansplaining. Got any ideas Uh, on that one, mate? Mansplaining? No, no idea. Men explaining needlessly and condescendingly to women in a manner that reveals a chauvinistic and patronising attitude. Uh, All right. That's neither of us. I've got one for you. Hangry. Uh, Go on, run that one past me. Uh, that I was told that that means bad tempered as a result of being hungry. Uh, we've all been there. My kids certainly have been hangry. Mine would be frustration. <laughs> I do feel very frustrated when hungry. Oh, come anyway, on, I've got another one for go you. On, go on, go on. Gammon. Gammon? Yeah, gammon. Go on, what's that? Uh, popular social media term, evidently, to describe the rosy complexion of outraged middle aged people in the UK. So that's neither of us because we're elderly. Usually ranting about political correctness gone mad. Well, I feel... Roger, thank you so much for that letter. I really do feel your pain and confusion. You know, I'm a mainly confused member of our community, living in the in the very gusset of our brave new world. Uh, yesterday, I was wondering, why did I get a £10 charge against my phone last month? So why did you? Well... My daughter, bless her, had set up a three-month free trial of iMusic on my phone. I hadn't used it at all. I'd forgotten she'd set it up. And, and, and suddenly the charge appeared. I'd completely forgotten about it. So did you charge her? Was it easy to sort out? <laughs> it was a nightmare. It took me hours to disable it. In the end, I just dropped my phone down the toilet. And that got rid of it. Fantastic. Uh, and then, I, of course, then I had to get a 12-year-old with their superior mobile phone ability to sort out my wet and so- soppy phone. Well, it's, yeah, it is all that new stuff, isn't it? And our inability to instinctively handle it. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I don't know about you, Bill. I got my first transistor radio age 13, a cassette player at 17, and a mobile phone at 29. Most of the pop I listened to was vinyl and played on a music centre using a turntable. It begs the question, are things better now? Well, yes, I think uh, my children, all of whom are grown up, wouldn't actually know what you meant by transistor, cassette, or vinyl, or turntable. So, uh, are things better now? Well, look, here's one for you. Can you link these words and letters? I've been thinking about this. How about this? Uh, Really? Choke, uh, distributor, flood, points, overheat. Get it? How about this one? This will help you. AA. 
Well, until you said AA, I was stuck. Now I'm convinced the words are lifted from a script for a play about uh, a meeting at Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> no, no, no. People think you're the intelligent one. Look, cars and their engines, Ian. That's what oh, I was talking okay. about. Yeah, yeah. You okay, know, we're going look, back in time. Uh, look, uh, uh, long journeys as a kid where hours were spent loading the car and when you finally squeeze everyone in, your dad turned the key, nothing happened. Or if he did, he, he ended up flooding the engine, didn't he? Too much choke. Out you'd all jump. Bonnet up. Distributor cap off for a quick wipe round the points. Then you'd have them checked and you'd try again. Nothing again. Out came the spark yeah. plugs. A piece of carborundum paper of the non-illegitimum sort yeah. to decoke <laughs> the sparking gap. Then a quick check with the gauge that the gap was the right size. Yeah. A corrective tap on the curbstone at the edge of the road. Another check with the gauge and back in they go. Back they go. Many happy hours patiently spent in the car park of some remote holiday town in the West Country, watching the rain fall on my dad's bald head as he as he made the car better. And my mum usually leading the game of I Spy, and she something beginning with FC. Ah, uh, now you see, for you, I know it was an old Cortina. For us, the, the tallies, it was a Pugot. I remember it well and it does bring back some good and some <laughs> shocking memories particularly of trips in summer when you could hear the or you could get the hard shoulder almost bumper to bumper with overheated cars oh yes i know what you had you, you carried an egg didn't you carried an egg in the glove compartment they have gloves uh, or radweld if you were posh for that bus radiator can you well look can you do that to top up the radiator in your car now well i can tell i can quite honestly say no because i actually lifted the bonnet of my car on sunday to refill the windscreen wash and notice that the only two functions I can perform are that very task and topping up the oil. I'm surprised the car needs any involvement with filling up with petrol, frankly. Well, uh, you know, have we, or have the manufacturers, de-skilled us? We de-skilled ourselves by sealing these engines? Uh, I guess they have, but you have to also ask the question, does it matter? In fact, uh, let's roll True. with the better car engines, True. better times. I'm not having uh, to roll up my sleeves, yeah. get warm engine oil running down my arms whilst lying under your rusty car and engine. <laughs> well, you know, let's not just sit here like two grey-haired gammons wanting to return to the rusty old breakdown days of 30 years ago. What do I say? No gammon here. Well, unless it comes with egg chips and, of course, a little bit of brown sauce. Long forgiven, but not forgotten. 
This is a song called Forgiven, Not Forgotten, which was the second single taken from the 1995 album of the same name by Irish folk rock and pop band The Cause, who were three sisters and one brother from Dundalk, near the border with the North. The album reached number two in the UK chart, although this song, rather bafflingly, only managed to reach 155 in the singles chart. They were churning out this mainstream rock with its unself-conscious dollop of Irish traditional music from 1990 till 2006, before taking 10 years off to spend the money and work on solo projects. Sometimes I get people in, the, in my uh, in my cab, you know, and they look and say, "I've been working so hard. I'm stressed. I, I I don't get to see my family. I work too hard. My, my laptop's always on. My boss is on my case. He's saying we gotta get this, meet this deadline." I say to him, "Well, what do you do, mate? What's your in what capacity are you making a difference to the world?" And they'll say, oh, I'm a systems analyst. Systems analyst. I say, well, sister, being a systems analyst ain't going to get you from the station down Southway, up Balkan Hill, uh, along past uh, the magistrate's court, up through past all them traffic lights, and then through right down the Mersey Road. That's not going to get you through that on a rush hour, is it? Being a systems analyst, you a big cab driver like me. I'm, a, I'm in a job that makes a difference. Oh, I love my driving. I could have been anything, you know. Uh, I could have, I could have been an electrician. Yeah, I could have done something glamorous like that. I could have gone to shops, you know, and uh, put in new lighting systems, new cable rigs. I could have been in a whole new uh, set of things. But uh, I chose the open road for me in life. I love on the road around all sorts of parts of this town, from uh, little, little, little housing estates all the way to these fast old parts, these fast bypass. Oh no. It's the life of the world for me. You have. 
have been listening to Box 39, the Thursday night community and magazine programme here on Colm Radio. Yeah, you've been listening to Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and me. Yeah, Ian Tallenter and our very special (laughs) guest this week, Carol Nice from Stepping Stones, sports statistician Mr Stato and Ed, the work experience fact calculator. And also to our houseband, House Gang Exit and all those contributors who have popped up in the last 60 minutes to make our wonderful wall of radio sound. So, uh, has it been a good show, Ian? I've thoroughly enjoyed myself, Mr Lawrence. Was it a good show for you, Bill? Well, uh, I've I've found it uh, tempting at times. You know, sometimes I've found it almost slippery. So I can quite honestly say, with my hand on my heart, that we will be back next Thursday evening at 8 o'clock. Yeah, you will, but it'll be a re-rig of this show. So... From where we are, way down deep in the vaults of Cone Radio Towers, beneath the rich soil and sturdy landscapes of North East Essex. It's time. It's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. This has been a Strictly Guppy production for Cone Radio. 